Welcome to the dark forest. Jackie and her pals will never bore us. Shameless confessions about our obsessions will make us laugh and smile. So let's explore the dark forest and dark down for a while. Hey, it's Jackie Cation. Welcome to the Dork Forest. You know the websites, JackieCation.com, DorkForest.com, TheDorkForest.com. If you like a determiner, Family Pet Ancestry, if you like that old joke. Yes, because it just goes to JackieCation.com. Let's do the credits. Mike Rickberg composed and sang that song you just heard. He sang it with his wife, Sarah Cohen. He will sing his version of the Mexican hat dance at the end of the program. Patrick Brady's going to fix this audio, and Vilmos fixes the website, JackieCation.com. On the websites, there are many ways to support the show. You can get merch, T-shirts, CDs, a DVD, and um, hoodies. I have some hoodies in stock. The T-shirts are all union-made here in the United States. There's Ranger of the Dork Forest T-shirts. There's Logo T-shirts. And there's two stand-up T-shirts, Spooky Reading Girl and the Meat Shield T-shirt. The Meat Shield T-shirt is a charity T-shirt. All the benefits of that go to Black Lives Matter, the ACLU, and Southern Law Poverty Center. So if you order that shirt, know that I don't make any money on it. That just goes to a charity. And um, the new album, I Am Not the Hero of This Story, is available, like all the other albums and the CD, uh, hard copies on the merch page on JackieCation.com. You can also get everything digitally, and you can get my DVD streaming at ComedyFilmNerds.com. The Dork Forest is under the umbrella of AllThingsComedy.com, which is a podcast network with El Madrigal and Bill Burr, and they have a lot of different podcasts over at AllThingsComedy.com if you want to listen to those. You can review the show on iTunes, and that supposedly does some good works. If you just want to donate to the show, there's a PayPal button. My Venmo is available. You can email me to ask me anything you'd like, Jackie at JackieCation.com. The PayPal has a new feature where you can donate monthly. Because someone just did. It's amazing. I recommend 10 bucks a month. That's what I recommend. Uh, but that's because I'm me and I would receive that $10. Uh, I use it wisely on audio cables for live shows and I occasionally pay a bill with it. So if you would like to support the show, just hit the PayPal button. If you don't have any money and you don't want any merch, you can do a passive way of helping out the show by using the Amazon banner. The Amazon banner and the Amazon link are on dorkforest.com and jackiecation.com. They just take you to the Amazon page. You order like normal, doesn't cost you extra, and good things, good times are had. Any other than that, you also on jackiecation.com, you can check out where I'm going to be doing stand-up comedy. It's February, so I'm doing Minnesota, Acme, my home club. I'm Valentine's Day. I'm in San Francisco at Cobbs, and... Then I'm going on a Joko cruise, nerd cruise, dork cruise, geek cruise with Jonathan Colton and his friends to Mexico. Joko cruise. That'll be super fun. I'm sure I'm missing out on something. Probably the premium episodes on Bandcamp and some other information. But let's get into the show. Hey, it's Jackie Cation. I'm in the living room, you guys. Cheryl Jones. Yes. Welcome to the program. Thank you. 
Movies Made Me is your podcast. We just recorded it. We did. It's gonna it's gonna go up uh, way after this one. Yeah, I think. in May sometime. In May. I've already forgotten the date too. So at Movies Made Me on Twitter. Wait, at Movies Made Me Pod on yes. Twitter and at Movies Made Me on Instagram. Yes, because I wasn't very smart to make the Instagram Pod as well, so everything matched. It just right. You know, it, when yeah. you're new at it, hey, you know, it's, yeah, it's a learned. <laughs> I have the Dork Forest Pod or something, or Dork yeah. For. I think it's just Dork Forest Pod on. Twitter, mm-hmm. but I don't do anything with it. Oh, because uh, I can't yeah. face one more freaking Instagram. You know, I just use one of those like things that you do it once and you can send it out to everything. Oh, like, like a auto tweet deck or something. Yeah, it's yeah, buffer. Now I'm using. I think I used to use a different one that I ended up hating. So, oh, well, there yeah. you go. Yeah. Uh, Cheryl Jones, Movies Made Me. We did it. It was exciting. Yes. Uh, people should find your podcast on iTunes and Stitcher and iHeartRadio and all the things. All the right? usual places, yes. Knock yourselves up, American public. Yes, and or please do. Not in America. <laughs> uh, you, Cheryl Jones, enjoy maritime history. I do. To an odd extent. <laughs> uh, possibly a dorky extent. A very dorky extent. Let us go deep into possibly the British Navy. Yes, mostly British Navy, yes. All right, you have a stack of books. I do have a stack of books. They're just, I don't know, they're sort of like security blankets to me is why I brought them. Because visual aids work really well on a podcast. So, sure they do. <laughs> you know, but they may amuse you. I don't know. So Right, and they jog your memory. They so do. It's all good. They do. And it's a start, though. Would it be gauche of me to take issue with the previous guests? Still Johnson? Yes. Phil Johnson of of his own pirate. Yes. Who is a pirate podcast. Yes. And I, I, it was on, you sent a, I had listened to a couple episodes and then you sent a list of some, you know, that I may enjoy hearing, whatever, just a generalist. And I saw there was a piracy one. So I thought, well, of course I have to listen to that. I mean, duh. So uh, I did listen to Phil's episode and there were, there were four little things that (laughs) had me talking aloud to my computer with the window open and the guys working on the house. You should be listening to the dark forest every week because there is. Somebody always <laughs> saying four things, at least. <laughs> so let me just go through those, okay? Briefly, um, he he mentioned the bosun on a ship, yeah. And you had asked what the bosun did, and and he said he was basically the head carpenter. That I did speak aloud and say, no, the carpenter was the head carpenter, right? The bosun handled the sails and rigging, okay, not the woodwork. Fair enough. So, sails and rigging, bosun. Yes, uh, he he talked about. Anne Bonnie and Mary Reed, and he said that only Mary Reed dressed as a as a man. They both did. Okay, that's why they were attracted to each other. Each thought the other was a man until they revealed their interest in each other and were like, "Oh no, actually, I'm a I'm a woman." So, and, and then they just made dead. Did they make do the, with each no, other? Because they each had a man. They each ended up having, as he mentioned, they pled their bellies when they were were uh captured oh and which is to say that they were pregnant they were pregnant yes and uh it, they both were because they both had men uh so they had men folk that were impregnating them yes so, so they were into men you know i don't know maybe something else happened who knows we weren't there but <laughs> but yeah there is this this ongoing idea that they were that they were gay lovers and there's there's absolutely nothing to back that up so neither it, one of them piped up about it right so it just, that's out there, but whatever. Um, he also said women were not allowed on any ships. This is a falsehood. This is a common falsehood. Right. But uh, there were women on naval vessels. Often the wives of, of the commissioned or petty officers on the ships would be on. Often they would be, they would serve as school teachers to the young midshipmen, the youngest officers who are okay. kind of learning to become officers. Um, so they would teach them. They, they were on the ships in time of action. They liked the young boys that, that weren't 
officers, they would uh, work as powder monkeys, running the powder from the powder room, you know, for the for the guns. Okay. Running them from the powder room to the gun decks. Right. And things so, and helping the surgeon. And so there were, I mean, there weren't a lot of them, but they were right. on, the, on the vessels. Common so. misconception. Yes. In many, many a historical romance novel. Yes. Because uh, some lady <laughs> ends up on a, on a ship. And the captain's like, well, we, it's bad luck, so you're going right. to have to have sex with me to make this worth my while. <laughs> but and she course. says, well, I was thinking of having sex with you anyway, so let's do this. That works out for everyone, doesn't <laughs> exactly. it? <laughs> I don't have any guilt. You can possibly uh, make peace with your god later. Yes. Now, and- on, a, on a pirate ship, he was right. Usually they did they did not allow women on those. That was usually part of their ship's articles. Um, I don't know. Yes. I don't know why. It's, I think it's with my headband. I'm just being a thorn. Okay, and uh, and then finally, uh, he brought up the press gang, and you asked if the press gang pressed sailors for both the Navy and the Merchant Navy, both okay. Royal Navy and Merchant Navy, and he said, yeah, it, it probably was both. It was just the Royal Navy. The Merchant Navy didn't need to press men. Men wanted to work. Because they were profit-sharing, right? Yes, and, okay. they, and they got a good wage, and it was a really good place to work when that was your profession. Right. Uh, it was then in times of war that they had to press men, because then you were sharing that pool of sailors between both. And the Royal Navy and this will and come up again lady, yet, later. Yes, so... Um, so yeah, only the Navy needed to press men because they were the ones who were the most desperate right, to get people, people to come aboard. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So cleared that up. No offense, go. Phil. No offense. Your episode no, no. was wonderful. You had it was great wonderful. information. Yeah, yeah. It's just we all have these little, you know, things that right. someone and, else knows and we don't. Right. Or <laughs> you're just kind of talking because yes. in the dark forest. Yes. Uh, it is uh, people... You know, you don't have, you're not an encyclopedia. Right. And uh, he knew a lot more details about pirates than I did about the individual pirates. I've read them all. I just can't call that information up all the time. Because he so. loves it. He loves a pirate. Absolutely. That's Phil Johnson for you. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so you, <laughs> it's it's the Navy. It is the Navy. It it started, can I give a quick recap of how Please. this happened to me? Yes. And it's also how my podcast started. <laughs> um, so in 2003, in the summertime, I went to see a movie called Pirates of the Caribbean. Most of us did go see it. Right. That's that movie with Johnny Depp. <laughs> yes, it is. Based uh, on the, the ride. On the ride. I went into it thinking this movie's going to be awful because how can you turn a Disneyland ride into a good movie? It just doesn't, that can't be done. Right. I came out of it absolutely enamored of it. It was not because of Johnny Depp. It was because of Jeffrey Rush. Barbosa <laughs> is my guy. Uh, <laughs> I always like to make that clear. Excellent. Um uh, and in the end, you'll see, I believe that Jeffrey Rush should pay my student loans. Uh, oh, interesting. Yes. So uh, I got into, I, want, I came out of that movie and I wanted to know what's the reality. Obviously, this movie isn't reality, but are there little nuggets of reality in this? Uh, you know, what was the deal with these, these real pirates in the Caribbean? And what year were the pirates of the Caribbean supposedly? Oh, God. It was like 1600s that okay. that really went on. So, I mean, everything in the movie is a little out of whack, but... Um, but they, they lasted, you know, quite a long time after that. So, and it is supposed to be at the end of the period. So you might go into the 1700s. Okay. Um, but so I started reading about pirates. I I brought with me the very first book I ever read, which is David Cordingley's Under the Black Flag. I 
highly, highly recommend it. Okay. I have actually heard of that book. Yes. Uh, possibly from Phil Johnson. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> this is probably kind of like everybody's first pirate book, right? Yeah. My first pirate book. Um, <laughs> Phil should write that. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, this, I mean, everything David Cordingly has written, and he does write maritime history all the time. All of his books are fantastic. They're just very accessible and readable. You don't have to be a historian to enjoy get them. into it. So, How do you spell his last name? Uh, C-O-R-D-I-N-G-L-Y. Accordingly. accordingly. Yeah. And As in accordingly. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> good. good no, Thank no, you. So, um, this is one that I read and then bought for friends and said, oh my God, you got to read this. It's because we were all into pirates at the time, right? Right. I hear, if I take... Yeah, oh, there you go. Hold on. Start anew without your headband. And then, then you will have your own... Uh-huh. Ah, I much didn't more do it over there. There you go. So, uh, and everybody loved reading it, but yeah, that's like everybody's first book. So, um, yeah, and so then mostly pirates uh, out of the gate. Oh yes, it was all pirates out of the gate. Okay. I had no interest in anything else. Right prior was... to this point, none of the rest of this was right. there. So uh, Trafalgar, or couldn't I had no I had no clue what that was. Okay, couldn't have cared less. All right, tall ships could not have cared less. Spanish Armada, nothing? none of it, not okay. a bit of it, All not right. not a hint of an interest in any of it. Even history, I, st- I my bachelor's degree is in communications, radio, TV, film. I was a film person, right? And d- I had no history. Horatio Nope, not a bit of it. All right, couldn't have paid me enough to read that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so literally, this movie did two thousand six, two th- thousand three. Oh, three. And so then I started reading all the standard pirate books, all the stuff. And at a certain point, it all just becomes a rehash. Like you, once you read the ones that 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 Phil talked about, right. you know, a general history of the pirates, um, that book is what everything else came from. So everything else, you know, might add a little bit here and there. But on the whole, it just gets repetitive. Right. And you're like, okay, I'm bored. Because so, it's the same 70 years, right? It's right. Over and right. over and over again. And it's the same. Nobody goes on to the Somali pirates. And, right. And okay. th- let's be honest, we don't enjoy them so we don't want to learn about them i have no interest in somali pirates i don't want to be one of there's them not, there's not enough captain hook in somali gentlemen get it together right we're gonna right. need a little more swat flounce it up flounce it up a little bit yeah we'll be way more wear a better hat uh, <laughs> uh so then once that got boring i was like well what's next and i decided i started to look into ships into tall ships what? okay so i bought some books on that and learned you know kind of about the different that. kind of ships that the pirates yeah have. yeah and just you know what ships were and then i thought well there must be you know with all the coastline we have here in california there must be a tall ship somewhere right and i went online and it just happened to be the winter and it just happened to be when the the Tall Ship Lady Washington, which is the official Tall Ship of Washington State, okay. was making her annual voyage down here to California. Oh. And I and she happened to be the ship that portrayed HMS Interceptor in Pirates of the Caribbean, the ship that they steal. Oh. And I thought, well, heck yeah. So <laughs> I went down and they do like three hour battle sails and adventure sails. The adventure ones, you can haul some of the lines and feel like you're doing something, right? Wait a minute. Yes. You can ride the Lady Washington? Yes, you can. In fact, as we are recording this, I believe she's in like Newport currently. So, well, pardon me. <laughs> I gotta uh, go. <laughs> I enjoy sailing a great deal. Oh, do you? Yeah. I don't care about the Navy. Yes. I'm sure it's lovely. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Most people uh, don't care about the Navy like I do. But uh, yeah, but I do want to go sailing on a sailing, a tall sailing ship. Oh, yes. 
Okay. Well, even if, you, even if you don't get the, the lady, there are others around here. Okay. So uh, we can set you up with that, I am quite sure. Um, so from learning about, well, learning about the ships, then, of course, I went on a sail. I fell in love with the Lady Washington, as right. you do. Uh, I, I used to do some motorsport photography personality shots. So I started bringing my camera. I went out a number of times on the boat and uh, started doing some photography that they, the guy that ran their website at the time really loved. So oh, we nice. kind of got, I got kind of connected and uh, in the end did end up, I signed up for it. You can sign up for a two week volunteer stint oh. on the lady washington to work as crew oh that's cool uh prior to I, w- I was planning to do that so prior to that i went out we have uh twin brigantines here at the los angeles maritime institute okay in san pedro so i and you can go out and volunteer on those and learn how to sail a tall ship so i did that just to learn and i took sailing lessons because wow. i am a dork and, and thorough. Holy I am, I am when, thorough. when I get into something, <laughs> I really want to be pre- like I am a details person. Right. So I want to totally prepare as and, much as possible. Yes, you would like to be as prepared as possible. I would, and I like to buy all the gear. Like I didn't <laughs> need to buy any gear to do this. I bought all the gear. I bought a climbing harness. I bought a, a, a marlin spike, which is the nice little spiky metal thing you can use for working with the big lines, the ropes, you know. Okay. Uh, by the way, it is a rope on shore. It is a line when it, once it has a purpose on a vessel. So okay. uh, like like a cannon is a cannon on shore. It's a gun when it's on a ship. Oh, okay. So there's the, you know, the terminology. But um, so, yeah, so I did that. I, you know, I learned with the LA Maritime Institute and, and was taking sailing lessons at a place up in Marina Del Rey, got some certifications for that, and then did... I did a week of the two weeks on the Lady Washington because after the first week, I was bored. I was really bored uh, because I'd already learned how to sail a tall ship okay. in L.A. And we were super understaffed on the boat. We were we, we did not have a full complement of crew. And there's two there's always two boats that go together. It's been a different boat okay. with it sometimes. And so we had like one full crew split between two vessels. Right. And so there wasn't time for anyone to be teaching me anything new, you know, because everybody was a little overworked. But what I discovered when I was out there for that week was that I don't really like sailing that much. Oh, interesting. (laughs) What I like. Turns out it's a job. (laughs) Well, I mean, I was good at it and I climbed the rigging and went up aloft and worked the sails and stuff. So and I could do it. But, uh, and I thought I looked really cool when I would throw the bow line and stand up on a couple of pieces. Like I really looked awesome. You know, yeah. There are no photos and I really hate that. But, uh, <laughs> fair enough. But uh, what I did like was when we would be at the dock and we would offer dockside tours. Yeah. And I would, the, the, the people who were like the full-time sailors on the vessel hated that. A lot of them just hated it. And I would say, no, no, stay down in, in the hold, eat your lunch. I'll take your shift. Yeah. Because I liked sharing the details the of the vessel. Yes. Yeah. And so that's how I kind of started to learn. I'm not meant to be a sailor. I'm meant to be a historian and a photographer yeah. and, and not, yeah, not go out sailing because it's wet. It's damp. <laughs> it's boring. <laughs> it's just all ocean. I everywhere. like showers and mini malls, you know, and cars. <laughs> God, I love cars. that one week. And I got in a car at the end of the week. I was like, oh my God, I love cars. <laughs> I learned about myself. That's so beautiful. That's what it's all about. <laughs> that's and right. That's why you learn stuff. It is. <laughs> so you can you learn. Go out Sometimes and you don't like the thing. <laughs> it was. It is not a failure. It is a lesson. So that's you it know, exactly. My well father played. viewed it as a failure, 
sure I did not. Oh my God. You know how dads are. So, yes. um, but then it was from learning about, well, then I got into, uh, kind of simultaneously, I took some classes. I took, uh, fencing because okay. that's of the era, right? Oh, right. And I did that for about three years until it got to the point where I would have to go into competition. And I said, I'm just not going to embarrass myself. <laughs> I just wanted to learn. Yes. You just want to learn the thing. I do. I want to learn and then get out. And that's, that's the thing <laughs> that I do. I learn it. I kind of get to where I think I belong and then I'm out. That's it. And, uh, and then I also took up English country dancing, which I did from probably 2003, 2004 until oh, just a... last year. Yeah. There was a great episode of the Dork Forest about dancing that oh, I did. Yes. Someone from the Joko cruise uh, that oh. I was on and I'm spacing her name, but she was great. She had about a lot of different dancing and in English country dancing, which uh, then when it came over here became square dancing. Yes. Well, that's what um, I always tell people. It's like genteel square dancing. Yeah. You know, it's the Jane Austen era version of square <laughs> dancing. You wear nice right. dresses, you know, because we did all dress up. Yeah. And I created, uh, we didn't have a ball in Orange County. They were all up here, like in Pasadena and places. And I found a ballroom finally in Orange County. And uh, because I found the ballroom, they let me name the ball and theme it. So it was the Admiral Nelson Ball. Very nice. Yes. So it tied into the Royal Navy because I was like, well, guys, duh, you know what it's going to be. So, <laughs> but, the, but the male dancers, which are, you know, few and far between in the group, there's never enough men. Right. But they really loved that because then they could create these Royal Navy uniforms. Oh, right, and right. Um, I do have a photo I can show you later if you want. But... Um, but yeah, so they dug that, that it had a more masculine theme than like the right, Jane then Austen a, evening, you know. Right, then it doesn't have to be just cravats and yes. and, and gavots. <laughs> yes. It can also be epaulets and, yes, <laughs> and yes. some, some gold braid. And I had a friend who, who worked with me to create a, a custom dress for that. So I have a dress that's sort of based on, on the British flag, as well as a captain's uniform. Oh, nice. So I'll show you a picture of that too. So it's a, a, like a husser. Yeah, yes. like, yeah, yes. uh, nice. It, looks, it came out really nice. And now I have nowhere to wear it because I've left that ball. But that's a whole other ball of wax. So, uh, yeah, so then I, I, what I would do is I was working for Disney at the time, just a guest service role. And uh, every day at lunch, I would be sitting outside on a bench, eating my lunch and reading a maritime history book. Right. And I'd probably read about 60 of them before <laughs> before I started to go, you know, I need to go pro with this. I need to understand. It's <laughs> <laughs> literally how I looked at it. I need to understand when I'm reading a book that's good and when I'm reading a book that's not so good. Oh. I need to know how people put these books together. I need to understand how the archival research works. And I just, I need to, okay. need to be pro. Yeah, yeah. You want to do it right. <laughs> yes. Okay. If you're going to do a thing, do it right. Yeah. And <laughs> to the best of your ability and see Why where not? it leads don't, you. Don't half-ass it. You exactly. Know? Just go for it. Be, I love that. Be the nerd. It's okay. <laughs> be. <laughs> I like it. Embrace the dorkdom. Yes. So, uh, so that's when I started thinking about possibly leaving my job and going back to school for a master's degree in maritime history. And yeah. Oh my God. You aren't even <laughs> kidding me. I am Holy. not. I am so not. what year is this? This was to, well, when it finally came to pass, it right. was to the summer of 2012. So in 2003, so nine yes. years later, yes, you're like, oh, I, maybe I quit my job. What was your job? 
It was I was I was working guest service for the Disney gift card and Disney credit card programs. Okay. For Disney, technically Disney corporate, but we were in Anaheim. Right. Uh, yeah, and I hated it. I'd been in that job for ten years. I left two months before my tenth anniversary. Okay. I would have stuck it out, but. School started you, when it started. Right. It might have been a special pin. There is a special pin. I had the five-year <laughs> pin. I didn't quite get the 10-year pin. I would have liked to have it. Oh, fair enough. I don't think there was a sculpture for 10-year. When you get further, you get a, a sculpture every, you know, five or 10 years, whatever. Yeah. Uh, I had the so, good discount and everything, but, you know. Right. And so then you go. <laughs> so then you decide to go for your master's. Yes. And the thing was, I looked all over the place for, you know, who has an English language maritime history degree. Right. Uh, and will allow, allow me to take courses in the age of sail because a lot of universities had gone to 20th century maritime history. And once engines come into it, once you get like yeah. steam engine, I could not care less. Okay. I only want to talk about the ships with the sails. Okay. All right. <laughs> That's my thing. Yeah. I'm focused. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and of course, in the course of all of these, this reading and stuff, I had gotten very into the Royal Navy. And uh, I mentioned this to you off air before, um, that uh, I started reading all my lunch hours at Disney, besides the maritime history books, I started reading the uh, Patrick O'Brien's Aubrey Matterin series okay. that the movie Master and Commander is okay. based on. And, uh, and so I read, there's 21 of those. The 21st is unfinished because he died while he was writing it. And I read all of them. They couldn't get Brandon Sanderson to finish it or anybody? No, or Ewan McCulfer, (laughs) like they had write a, write a Douglas Adams one, which was all wrong. But, um, yeah, so I read those. So I, I, you know, I recommend those to you because you like historical fiction. Right. There is not a bad book. In the, in the Master and Commander yes. series? I expected one. I never encountered one. Oh, I thought enough. 21 books, one of them's going to suck. Right, right. And they didn't. Usually so, around nine. Yes. Uh, and, in, in my experience, yeah. in those series, yeah, yeah it's uh, they fall apart either five, seven, or nine. That's weird. And it is weird. I don't know why it's an odd <laughs> number, but that's where it usually goes yeah, south. Literally not a bad one in the bunch. So... Uh, so read those, but uh, and see the movie if you haven't, because it's it's that movie, Master and Commander, is, in my opinion, the closest you will ever get to what it was like to actually be on one of those vessels. Okay, because it it really shows the life quite well, you know, as far as you can within a movie. Yeah, so uh, certainly more realistic than Pirates of the Caribbean. Sure, which which in that movie, a Royal Navy guy right at the beginning is promoted to a a. Uh, a, a position as an officer that didn't wasn't actually a promotable uh, officer. Was it an appointed position, position or something? No, it, it, he, they're promoting at the beginning. They're promoting Norrington to Commodore. Okay. Commodore was a temporary title when a captain was given temporary command of a of a fleet of vessels for a particular action. Once okay. that action was done, he reverts. He's just a captain again. So yeah. the next promotable one was Admiral. Okay. So. Yeah, I'm like, no, that's wrong. <laughs> I have some That'll little happen. things. There, there are things here and there that really drive me crazy. Right. Um, so did you end up getting a master's in maritime I history? I did. The, the, you, the only university I could find that would that had the right kinds of courses and had, at the time I applied, a maritime history degree. At the time they accepted me, it had changed to just history. Okay. But I specialized in maritime history. was University of Exeter, England. Okay. So I moved. I left my job at Disney. 
I moved from California to Exeter, England, which is in the southwest of England. What the fuck? Right? Holy what? <laughs> At 44 years old. <laughs> I am in love with Cheryl Jones. Rangers. Thank you. That makes me feel so good. <laughs> that is so awesome. That's all I want in the world is oh for my people God. to fall in love with exactly. me. Really. <laughs> Oh, my God. So, yes, I moved. It's in England. The master's is a one-year program instead of two. So it's pretty intense. Right. Um, But, yes, I went over. I did it. I dealt with my first actual winter, which was miserable. Oh, sure. (laughs) And and yet, not that bad. No. Exeter, England. Yes. Right? So, and... and, uh, It's it's not even Scotland. Even J.K. Rowling went to that university. So we had had a little street there that is supposedly... Gandhi Street is supposedly what she based uh, Diagon Alley on. It's like a little tiny street behind another street, and it's got shops. It was really cool. And, uh, yeah, so I <laughs> lived in England for a year. And, you know, like you do. And yeah. so in 2013, precisely 10 years after seeing the movie, yes. I received my master's degree. Congratulations. In history. Thank you. <laughs> my ad, my ad, my ad. We're about to do an ad. Hey, guys. It's me, Jackie Cation. We're doing an ad. It's for eHarmony, you guys. Stop waiting and start your journey to a satisfying, meaningful relationship. It can be fun to play around with online dating apps, but when you're ready to fall in love with someone and have a meaningful relationship, there's one app that's built to bring you real love, eHarmony. Come and see how eHarmony can change your life. Go to eHarmony.com and get started. Enter my code LAKERS, L-A-K-E-R-S, at checkout. You guys know that that's how I met my husband through internet dating because I don't know how to flirt. I don't know how to meet men. And online dating is a clarity of intent that I've, I've can only, it's a basic. There are plenty of hookup sites out there. That's not what this is. Those sites have their place and knock yourself out. But that's not what eHarmony is for. eHarmony is if you want to find someone and stick it out. Right now, my listeners can get a free month with eHarmony when they sign up for a three-month subscription. And then you enter my code LAKERS at the checkout. Lori Kilmartin is going to take my free month with eHarmony. And maybe we'll find out how that goes. She'll have my free subscription. So if you go to eHarmony and sign up for a three-month subscription. You get the first month free. You enter the code LAKERS at checkout. They've helped over a million people find their perfect match. And they're built to help you find a lasting, meaningful relationship. If so, if you're ready to move on, you should totally give eHarmony a try. Online dating work for me. So I am a huge advocate of it. Thanks a lot, you guys. Let's get back to the show. I do have, just to prove it, and, and because it's got all my info in it, I do have my actual... Master's you, dissertation. You I know everybody calls it, they call it a dissertation over there, but this is the actual scored version, the turned in version of my, yeah. my dissertation. So congratulations. Yes. Thank you very much. That's amazing. <laughs> so you have a master's degree I in do. essentially maritime history, I the do. age of sail. Yes. What are the, what, what, how do they, what, what years are the age of sail? Oh, God, you would ask me that because I never know exactly. So so uh, it ended like mid-1800s when uh, steam engines came around. Right. Um, 
So it started, you know, when boats started, basically. <laughs> the main, the true golden age of sail would have been like 16-something. I can't even tell you exactly when, but Wasn't the Spanish Armada like 1599 oh, or 1601? These, the, the, these are the things, the dates yeah. and things. I'm terrible. Okay. I'm so awful with that. Right. I can give you the date of Trafalgar. That's the only date What's I can give. What's the date of Trafalgar? That is, now, see, now you're going to make me doubt myself. It's October twenty. Uh, it's the 21st, I think. God, it's probably going to be the 22nd, but I think it's the 21st, 1805. That part I know, it's 1805. Okay. Off Cape Trafalgar, Spain. Okay. Yes. That's when that's when, when Britain's greatest naval hero, Horatio Nelson, defeated the combined Franco-Spanish fleet, the French and the Spanish, mm-hmm. off of Trafalgar. Uh, and, and he died in that battle, but it... it kind of put a stop to those navies during the during the Napoleonic Wars. Right. And and you know, that's why there's a great big statue of him in Trafalgar Square and why it's called Trafalgar Square. Right. Is <laughs> because that was really important. And there's a big but there's a big statue of Nelson. Yes. In Trafalgar Square. There is, correct. And yes. that has uh, been clarified in my head because yes. I was getting them mixed up. <laughs> uh, so. I understand that. I didn't although he is not my favorite of the the captains admirals of that period minus thomas cochran who was a scottish sailor uh david cordingly wrote a terrific book about him and uh he was just a prickly bastard and i think we would have gotten along famously yes uh, we would have screamed and yelled at each other but we would have loved each other dearly i think and uh <laughs> <laughs> okay he is what a, a a fellow historian that i met over there uh called she had a particular guy she was studying and she called him her 200-year-old boyfriend. Okay. So that's, that's kind of, I think, what, what Cochran is for me. Yeah. Okay. So I didn't study him deeply, but he you, is my 200-year-old everything boyfriend. That, everything that you heard about him, you yes, liked him a lot. I like him. And he, and, is, he was a lot of the basis for, if you read those Patrick O'Brien books, a lot of what Aubrey does in those books was based on things that Cochran actually did and that actually happened to him. Okay. Yeah. And so when are the Patrick O'Brien books set? They are set Napoleonic just, War? Yes, yes. Okay. So like just prior to Trafalgar to maybe just after. So 98 to 1805. Something, Something like, like that. that. Yes. Yes. And then and then Napoleon goes to Elba. Yeah. And then he escapes from Elba in yeah. like 11 or something, right? Or something yes, like that? Something like that. So, who it, David Cordenley also wrote a terrific book about the HMS Bellerophon, which I'm probably mispronouncing, but that's how I say it. Uh, it's the life of this one Royal Navy vessel, which is the vessel that Napoleon uh, uh, gave himself up to at the time. And so they transported him. And, okay. and so that's a, that gets into all of that. It's a very interesting book, oh, too. That's cool. Yeah. So what... So when you study maritime history, yes. if it's not the dates, right. it's the personalities. Correct. And it's the ships? It's it's not so much the ships, it's the people on the ships. Okay. It's the men on the ships. So like my my dissertation subject, I'll read you the title because I'm very proud of it. It's <laughs> very do. academically dorky. Uh, them were the chaps as played hell with the fleet, quota men in the British Royal Navy, 1795 to 1797. Wow. So you have, your dissertation is about two years in the Navy. Yes. Well, three all encompassing. Yes. Yes. Interesting. Because it was, it was in a nutshell, and this is the part where I put you to sleep. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Impossible. Impossible. I did do it once. I did literally put some people to sleep, but it was very late at night in fairness. Uh, But, and they asked, it was their fault. Yes. Um, They lit you up. So at the start of the, of the uh, French Revolutionary and Napoleonic Wars, 
um, the Royal Navy had to bring a bunch of ships online. They'd been they'd been what they called in ordinary, which means they were they were put aside. All the sails and the masts and everything were taken out, they and were they in were storage in storage basically. Yeah. yeah, so they bring them all back online, and now they've got to fill them with men, and it was a lot of vessels. So, um, and again, then you get back to that issue of you need men in the merchant navy. To, have to deal with those ships, and then you need to fill the complements of these vessels in the Royal Navy, and there right. aren't enough men. So there aren't enough sailors. Mm-hmm. So uh, so then what they what Parliament did was create a couple of acts, one in 1795 and one in 1796, requiring the counties in England, Scotland, and uh, Ireland to... Wales wasn't involved for some reason. And... Um, to, so each county had to supply a particular number of men to the Royal Navy. Wow. So And they were, they were to be volunteers. So these are not skilled sailors. They come in as what's called landsmen, which is where really what I wanted to study when I came over. I wanted to learn how landsmen learned how to become sailors, but there's just really no record okay. of what they did. You know? so I they was, probably got whipped a lot. Well, no, I don't think so. Um, but and that's another thing. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> oh, we will discuss that. Yes, please make a note of that. Come back to punishments. Um, so, so there was this. So they enacted these quota acts, and uh, so these men were not sailors, but they would volunteer. So there's been this reputation in the existing historiography. And I had to learn what that word meant when I went over. And what does it mean? <laughs> it just means the existing history books, the yeah. historiography, the overall <laughs> histories right. of this subject. And so they have this reputation. What all these, uh, most of these other authors have said is the counties just use this as a, an excuse to clear their jails. Okay. So they would just send in all of their criminals, all of their vagrants to to the navy to fill their quotas. And then once these guys got to the Navy, they were a problem. And then in 1797, there were two big naval mutinies that happened at a place called Spithead off of Portsmouth and the Nor, which is at like the mouth of the Thames River. And big issues. And so, you know, here we are in the middle of, of uh, dealing with the French and they could come and attack us at any time and our sailors won't sail. Yeah. Which is also where the term strike originated because they would strike the sails and refuse to sail so a work action became a strike okay see and uh <laughs> i love when i love when i come across these things like like <laughs> when, ma- when, when when a story comes together yes like yeah. malaria i learned where the word malaria came from mal being bad aria being air because yeah. they thought it was bad air that caused it right. i was like oh malaria oh my god that's amazing right. <laughs> like never thought about it before do you have any idea where what where malaria what malaria is is it just a virus it comes from uh, mosquitoes it it's... was because they would be down in in like the caribbean or whatever and they yeah. thought it was the bad air but it's be, it was all the mosquitoes were biting them and carrying this disease so okay. that would just that's give how them these symptoms right yeah mm-hmm. um but Malaria. It's brilliant. <laughs> like I'm still not over it. Right. So, so they, there were these two mutinies. Yes. What were? What was? Thank you what, for getting me back on track. Sure. And so, uh, so, and then the reputation is that through these quota acts, all of these, uh, all of these malicious societies, all these uh, uh, anarchists and people wanted that that they enrolled men through the quota acts, had men go down and sign up to join the Navy so that they could infiltrate the Navy and they fomented this mutiny, that they created it on these ships. That was the reputation. It's wrong. It's 100% wrong. 
according well, to my research. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, it seems really weird that yes. that it would be an external cause of mutiny. Right. That what, doesn't make any sense. What actually caused the mutiny, yeah. which is what Parliament and everybody wanted to try to ignore, which is stupid, was the, and because there were other a- smaller actions before this for the same reason. Sailors hadn't been given a raise in 150 years. So the cost of living had gone up right. <laughs> quite a bit. Yeah. And they're still earning what they did 150 years ago. And that was their number one complaint was, we want a stinking raise. Come on. Yeah. And so who wouldn't strike for that at a certain point, yeah, right? Yeah. It's going to hit a boiling point where, where all the sailors are like, we don't uh, have any money. Yeah. I can't send anything home. I'm my eating, family's starving. My family's starving. Yeah. You've forced me to live on this ship yes. or boat or whatever. Yes. And uh, it's, okay. a, it's a ship if it's if it's three-masted square sailed. That's technically a ship. Okay. Anything else has a different name. Okay. There's catches boat? and brigs. And, oh, okay. Yes. Each one has a name, and I can't identify all of them. The Lady Washington is a brig. Okay. Or a hermaphrodite brig sometimes, and that's a whole other thing. But uh, <laughs> it is, right? And, uh, yeah, yeah. But so what I looked into uh, in my, my research, and I went to like eight different archives all around the country. I spent a week at the National Archives, actually two weeks because I got into a, a really awesome uh, training program that they offered to masters and and doctoral students across the country you could apply and get literally a free week they would pay your transportation they put you in a hotel they gave you a per diem for food and then they trained you on how to deal with archives and taught you what they have there at the national archives and that was exactly what i went over there to learn that i wasn't learning at the university oh interesting i was like oh my god it's brilliant so a class (laughs) a classmate and i both got into it and went and did this and uh so I did all this research all over the place and looked at the enrollment records that still existed. A lot of places don't have theirs still, but I went right. to ones that had good collections, which showed me like the names, ages, and occupations most of the time of these men who were enrolled under the quota X. Right. So I was able to see what kind of profession, because there were certain professions that were thought to have been the dangerous ones, school teachers, uh, writers, right. You know, right. printers. So, yeah. People who could Someone with some sort of, info. Yeah. yeah, some sort of education. Right. You wouldn't want that. Right. Yeah. Because they're dangerous. Mm-hmm. And we all know that even yeah. today, right? Even today. So <laughs> that just never goes away. That does not. Uh, so I looked at, at that to see, you know, what kinds of men were bring, being brought in. Um, I also looked at court records to see if, because I also had yet another author, like everybody was saying there was, you know, it was criminals, nothing but criminals being sent in. There was another author who said criminals were never allowed in the Royal Navy. So we had two complete opposite yeah. sides of this. And, and so I had to track down where he got that info from. It was completely wrong in the end. It came from someone else's master's dissertation in the 60s at Liverpool. Okay. And so I tracked down the the, the, that the command book. Yeah, I got that and then had to get his note, then go to the National Archives and find the book that those orders were in and because it, it, he said the orders claimed you couldn't enroll criminals. It oh. didn't say that at all. So right. I don't know where he got that idea, yeah. <laughs> but whatever. So I, neither end of that was correct. I did find... It wasn't entirely criminals, nor right. entirely there was a very, very citizens. <laughs> yes. It, well, it was a very, very low number of criminals, uh, but they, and they didn't come in through the quota acts. They were, they were given it just in general as an option sometimes. Okay, you can either oh. go to jail for however long, 
or you can join this Royal Navy vessel that's in port or whatever. Right, right. And so you they know. do the same thing with the service now. Yeah, they they say you can either join the army or you can you can go to jail. Go to jail. Yeah, right? yeah. So and I was able actually in one court case. They said you can join this particular vessel, and then I was able to go to another part of the archives and find that vessel's roster kind of yes, thing, yeah, and and found them on there when they were entered into the ship. So that proves yes, there were criminals coming yep. in. But um, <laughs> now even I'm getting confused. Where I am, uh, but so I showed that the that while there were criminals coming into the navy, they did not come in through the quota acts, right? And they were there were no jail clearances going on. And then also vagrants were coming into the Navy, but there was a separate act to bring vagrants into the Navy. It wasn't through the quota acts. They had their own act, and that number was very, very small as well. Okay. Another, there was a guy who had done, who had just completed his doctoral dissertation that in part included some of this. So he had looked at the rosters of 81 Royal Navy vessels in that area, era and and noted where kind of each person came in from, whether they were a volunteer, they were from the quota acts, they were, you know, whatever. And so by using his numbers with combined with my numbers from the enrollments, yeah, I determined that like each ship would have like the like point zero one percent of their men would be from the quota acts. Right. So there's no possible way like one guy, maybe, on one vessel would be able to turn that entire crew against the Navy. Right. As an they anarchist. Were, right. They weren't anarchists. It was right. just guys who wanted the raise. Exactly. And the raise and some better food and things. And so. Yeah. Yeah. So in the end, I showed it's what the so, existing ori- historiography said is a load of bullshit. So. Right. <laughs> so your dissertation was mostly about those two mutinies? It was. It was a combination of about the quota acts, how they worked, who came in through them, and then the mutinies as well, that just showing these men didn't. There's right. no real reason to think there's those no connection. Men caused that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So it just kind of cleared the quota men's reputation. Right. I can say I am currently the world expert on quota men. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you so much. Now, uh, talk to me about the discipline in the Royal Navy. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, there's a there's a, a vast reputation that people uh, have flogged. come to understand. Flogged. Yes, that 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 was horrible. Right. That. Uh, what are they, sodomy, rum, and the lash, you know, and rum, okay, the rest, not so much. Um, but yeah, it wasn't, if there was a captain who sort of over-disciplined his crew, and there were ones who did that, right? that captain wouldn't last very long. That crew could petition to have him removed. And if the Admiralty got enough of those petitions over time, they're going to see this guy's a problem, yeah. and this doesn't work. And so they would, you know, give him some other kind of thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, on the whole, that wasn't real. I mean, there was discipline, but you, in a world like that, in what they call that wooden world, where you have, you know, 100 men, you may have close to 1,000 men on a first-rate ship like HMS Victory, which was oh, really? Nelson's vessel. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a towering vessel because you can go and see that ship. It's in Portsmouth. It still exists. Oh, wow. The genuine one from Trafalgar. Yes, the one I'm wearing the T-shirt from. Right. Because <laughs> I went there. I've been there twice. Yeah. And it's, I mean, the first time you walk up to it, it is astounding. If you've been to USS Constitution, it dwarfs that. Right. And it's like 104 guns and it's it's just, it's amazing. You can't believe something like that. And a thousand floated. people yeah. had to... Round about a thousand, yeah. yeah. And, and so you had to keep discipline on a ship like that. You couldn't tolerate anybody 
throwing that out of whack because mm-hmm. that little society has to work. Yeah. Or everything goes haywire and your ship isn't going to sail and you aren't going to be able to fight. Right. So, yes, there, there, there were was punishments. Yes, but they were, they were laid out and everybody knew what they were. And, and it was used to keep order, but it was not typically overused. It wasn't a horrible thing. Like your life wasn't just being, being flogged and, yeah. you know, it was a, a decent life, especially considering what you might have had on shore. You had three square meals a day. Again, square because their plates were actually square. So that's where that comes from. Oh, that's um, <laughs> um, So, you know, you were fed and they tried to feed you well enough that you would have the energy to work. It wasn't, you know, yes, sometimes you ran out depending on what your situation was and where you were. Right. But, uh, but on the whole, you were fed well. You know, they wanted you to be working you know, and they wanted like you to be salt pork and hardtack. Yes, that's what I was. That that's what's coming to my head. Yes, but you would sometimes have fresh meat because you you know when you they've been port. to port. Yeah, you could bring on on pigs and and cows and whatever. Oh, so they would Bulls, bring like beef, live yes livestock, and then they would yeah. slaughter them as they needed them. Yes, and then so some some you would have the the salted things you know in casks for yeah. later, mm-hmm. but. But yeah, when you started, and if you didn't have that long a voyage, you would you would have some fresh meat. The the officers got most of it. Some well, I can't say most of it. They got they were they able dibs. they were able to bring on their own in addition, so okay. they could buy their own. So they might eat better than you did throughout. Yeah, but they paid for it. Right. So you know, but yeah, but and you'd get you'd, and lemons. Yes, eventually, eventually they figured out it scurvy. It's a it, there is a book about scurvy. And it's uh, remarkable how early they figured, you know, there were individuals who figured out what the problem was and how to fix it, brought that cure to the Navy and how very long it took for the Navy to then enact it (sighs) on the ships. Like a lot of guys died from scurvy who didn't need to. Right. Yeah. So scurvy is a lack of vitamin C, right? Correct. And you end up, how do you die? Well, it, it, it's got to be horrible. Well, yes. I mean, the it's thing we all the thing we all know is your teeth fall out, right? right. So your teeth start to fall. Your gums bleed. Your teeth fall out. Um, uh, you'll bruise your if you have old wounds. If you had like any kind of thing stitched up, oh yeah, in the past, your old wounds will reopen. What? Like even healed, they will reopen. <laughs> yes, like, and you like basic scar on my finger. Yes, there. Is, yes, there is a very good chance that over t- that would if you really started getting into it would reopen. Yeah, it's really disgusting, and it just it just, <laughs> just keeps going. Things break down, and you're just you're just a mess until your body just just breaks dissolves. down. Yeah, it dissolves, can't. and it's a pile of goo, <laughs> and you have More to be less. swept <laughs> off into the ocean because you are just, just a gelatinous. Which discovers, yeah, yuck. <laughs> yeah, it's really like I've read some really like serious accounts of it, and it is disgusting. Yes, yeah. It sounds yes. disgusting. And it could still happen. I mean, you could still get scurvy, scurvy if you're not eating well. Right, you know, right. If, if, you you're... Don't, if you're homeless and you don't have access to things with vitamin C, supplements at least, Yeah, it can still happen. Right. Here's the good news, but because uh, there's a big homeless problem in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a lemon tree that goes over our wall. Yes. And nobody has any problem getting some lemons. Good. So You're, you're helping. We're of trying to be of some use to That's somebody. very good. Yes. <laughs> we all that, have to do our part. Yeah, just try <laughs> that and free socks. <laughs> Guys... Anyway, so um, yeah, can I can I regale you? Can I regale you with the four best words on a on a sailing vessel? Yes, the four most entertaining words. <laughs> sure. 
Sure. This is, this is the thing I like to do for people. Uh, I'll just I'll tell you what they're after. It's baggy wrinkle, spanker, piss tail, and futtock. Are those right. not brilliant words? They seem to be fun, <laughs> fun words. What do they mean? The baggy wrinkle is um, it's old line, and you unravel it all the way down until it's like very soft stuff. And you, you, I, I have actually made baggy wrinkle on the Lady Washington, but you kind of string it over another line. So it becomes like a big, fluffy, round thing. And you put that onto lines where they will shape the sails. So it gives this fluffy, uh, soft part for the sail to go up against so you won't get a hole in your sail. You won't wear a hole in it from from where the ropes, the lines, are strung across, you know, where it may hit. Okay, so it's necessary. Very, all of these are necessary. Okay, yes. The baggy wrinkle. Yes. Uh, The spanker is like on the Lady Washington on a brig like that. The, you know, you have two masts on that. So a, 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 a four mast and a main mast. And the spanker is a sail that comes off the main mast. It's a fore and aft sail. So not a square sail like you're used to seeing on the sh- in the sh- right. pictures. It goes fore and aft. So it goes like bow to stern direction. Okay. Perpendicular to yes. the others. Yes. Okay. And, and it, you know, is the lower sail off of that main mast. That's and it's called spanker a spanker sail. Yes. And what does it do? Makes it the helps ship go forward, <laughs> right? Like the rest of the sh- like the, the rest sails. of them, it's just a different sail style. Okay, because yes, some sails have four and aft, some have square sails, and it's the whole thing. Um, and that also helps you identify which type of vessel it is. You know, depending oh, on what kinds of sails it has, that makes a difference. Okay, so like a brig or whatever you just said, yes, is uh, that has a spanker, but a different kind of ship would not, or boat. Correct. Okay. Yes. And then, the, but there's some conversation about whether that spanker is what makes it a hermaphrodite brig. I don't know. I didn't get deep into that when it was brought up to me. All right. Uh, Pistale, and that's one I learned. I'm going to show you. This is my very favorite maritime history book ever. This was a master's uh, dissertation from Texas A&M. It's called Those Vulgar Tubes, External Sanitary Accommodations Aboard European Ships of the 15th through 17th Centuries. <laughs> That is, like, I so wish that was my subject. That's fantastic. Those vulgar tubes. Second edition, you guys. There's been more (laughs) than one edition. Joe J. Simmons III has written a a book uh, about external sanitary accommodations (laughs) aboard European ships of the 15th through 17th centuries. Isn't that wonderfully nerdy? That is that is a deep dive it into is. some porta potties. It's it's a it's part of a series. I also have ships bilge pumps, <laughs> a history of their development, fifteen hundred to nineteen hundred. Oh, there you I go. I couldn't find the other one. I have it somewhere about the development of the ship's rudder, as well. They're very detailed, but right. that one, the vulgar tube, yes. I take it is uh, some sort of poop chute. What yes, are we looking it at? Is. Yes, it is. There you go. Uh, so yeah, so you had the heads, which you know, everybody knows on a boat. The bathrooms are called the heads. It's because they were at the head of the ship. Uh, and, oh. and there would be, there are all different kinds of things. Like I was familiar with, there would be a board with holes in it. You'd go off basically the bow of the vessel. If you look very carefully in master and commander, there's a scene when they're trying to round Cape Horn and it's snowing and you come in off uh, over the bow of the ship. If you look carefully, there is a guy using the head. He's got his pants down and he's sitting on the board on the on the bows. Uh, but there were also like roundhouses in the bows sometimes that were literally just little round porta potties, basically little round things, and that's where you went in. And yeah, they had tubes that and the tubes that would sh- shunt the stuff into the yes. ocean essentially. Yes, and the, and the head was it just a hole that would go off the edge of the 
ship or yeah, boat? Would, basically, the yeah, when it was like that, when it was a board with holes, yeah. it would just drop down into the water, which when you were becalmed, meaning you were stuck with no wind yeah. and you're not going anywhere, that could be quite nasty after yeah. that because that's just stayed floating around the ship. Even when there was wind, the ship, the bows had to be cleaned sometimes because that's right, going to blow right into the bow. That's going to, then, yeah. then your bow is covered with the poops yes. of many, many sailors. Yes. Nasty, All right. right? You don't that? think about these things. No, no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> but someone did. Yes. And uh, they're like, all right, that's a task that nobody wants to do. It is. The so pit- what do they do? They hang off the side of the boat and, and scrub it or do they yeah. do it in port? No. you Well, you could do both. But usually if you're coming into port, you want it to look nice. So you would hang over and, and clean it. And clean it. Before you came to port. Because right. no one needs to see that. The piss dale was just, uh, it was literally a piss it was like a, a trough that would be a midships, meaning like in the middle of, of the vessel on the top deck and would just be a trough you could pee into. And same thing, it would have a tube that just sent it out to the water. So you didn't okay. have to get up on the rail of the ship and pee over the side because that's dangerous. Right. So and it would blow just, right back into your face. Yeah, probably. Uh, <laughs> that's a good point. How do you spell piss trail? Piss dale. How do you spell dale? D-A-L-E. It like is a, a piss dale. A piss dale. It's All fantastic. Right. <laughs> um, there's a picture. There's a drawn picture of one in there, mm-hmm. and uh, and then Fuddick is uh, it, it's the Fuddick shrouds. And I had looked in here to see if there was a uh, something I could show you, but uh, on a mast you have everybody's seen the the rigging, the shrouds, which come from the edge of the ship up, kind of diagonally up to some part of the mast, there's a platform, so they'll come up right underneath that. And that's what the guys all climb up to go up there to work sure. a lot. But at that platform, then you have another set that go the other diagonal. So so it would be so <laughs> it's hard to explain. Yeah. But they go from the basically from the mast out to the outside edge of the platform. That's a FUD rucker? What is it? <laughs> no, that's a burger place. Yeah. <laughs> I've been there in a long time. Yeah. Uh, Fuddock. It's a Fuddock shot. F-U-T-T-O-C-K. Like Fuddock with bow with an F. Okay. And those are, so, and I have climbed Fuddock shrouds because you come up the main ones, you're coming in toward the middle of the vessel. Okay. All of a sudden, <laughs> you have to then lean completely against what your brain wants to do. You have to lean backward. Yeah. And reach up over the end of the platform, grab hold up there, and basically, so you're climbing kind of outward, and then you'll come back in when you get to the top to that platform that you can stand on up there. But it's it's a, a very frightening right. <laughs> going. If it was a really big vessel, you had a first-rate ship or something, yeah. they would have a lubber's hole in that platform, so you could just come straight up those those shrouds that went toward the middle of the ship come right up through the middle of the platform and get up there. Okay. But if it's a smaller vessel, you have to do those Fuddick shrouds and it's very scary. And that's why you wear a climbing harness and hook into a line. Right. So they that didn't. if you fall, yeah, they didn't. They didn't, but no. we do. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> right. you don't want to die. Right. And they uh, clearly, for some reason, I always thought... I always said very, it's okay to die. Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> well, they were re- they were replaceable, right? Uh, I always had very, very sweaty hands at that point, right? And sometimes it was metal you had to hold on to on a modern ship. And no gloves? Uh, you could, but the gloves are bad with with the lines. Like you can get stuck in them because oh, the okay. lines can open up a little bit. The ropes, 
because they're twisted and they can open you and get your gloves caught in it. So okay. it's best not to wear gloves. Ah. But uh, that's got to cut up your hands. I maybe. have a little scar on on. It's hard to see, but it's it's just right there from from not letting go of a line. Right. When I should have. Right. <laughs> but then that's... I was able to use that when we had kids on board and we were teaching them the whole lines. Like this is what happens if you don't let go because it was fresh then. Like don't yeah. do that. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So let go. Yes. Let go of the line when Always, you're supposed to. Yes. Let go. So, whoo! I've been talking a lot. I know it. I know it. You've done. You've done. You've done vital work here. By the way, I am talking with Cheryl Jones, and Cheryl Jones has a podcast called Movies Made Me, and it's Movies Made Me Pod on Twitter and Movies Made Me on Instagram. Yes, and it's all one word, obviously. Mm-hmm. And uh, Cheryl Jones has been discussing the British uh, Royal Navy. <laughs> And uh, so the Cochrane guy, though, yes. What did you like about him? What's his What's his story? I I just liked that he is a prickly bastard. He would um, how What kind of would, ship did he have? Oh, he had all different kinds because you know captains went ship to ship. Okay, then it, it wasn't like his pony, right? No, okay. no. There would be the the petty officers were the guys who were assigned. Basically, they would stay on a vessel even when the captain changed, oh. unless the vessel was was put into ordinary Civil or something. Yeah, basically, okay. um, like your carpenter and your bosun and people like that would generally stay with the vessel while it was, you know, if in service. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but captains would change just depending on circumstances, and. Uh, I mean, he, so he was a guy who uh, often, t- and Nelson did this too, but um, he would often ignore what his admiral, the guy in charge of the fleet of vessels, yes. he would ignore what he said to do. <laughs> and, uh, because he knew... He knew better? Yes, the admiral might say, look, don't go into this port and try to cut out this ship that they've got over there that's ours or try to stop them. You know what? It's too dangerous just come out here, hang out with me. We'll hang out outside the port. We'll watch for them to leave. We'll go after them. Then he would say, no, I know I can go get that vessel. I yeah. can sneak up at night. I can do this. I'm was he a repo man? Is kind, that what he was? Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so he would just ignore his orders, which yep. is like the very worst thing you can do. Right. That's not, that's not be, running. That's yes. not how the service is you run. You can be court-martialed for that. Yes. And as I say, Nelson did it as well. The The term turning a blind eye came from Nelson doing, doing that. At one point, he lost the sight in one of his eyes. And... Uh, he got an order by flag signal, and and so someone told him, "Hey, we've got this order." And he said, "Oh, let me take the glass and look." So he took the the spyglass, you know, and he looked and he put it up to his blind eye, and said, "I can truly say I did not see the order." <laughs> and they went and did what he wanted to, and he was successful. So that's turning a blind eye. Ah, um, it's always easier to get uh, forgiveness than permission. Absolutely, and that so. was the thing. These he and Cochran both would do these things, and then be basically forgiven. They, you know come up for a court martial but would would come out of it okay because they'd say yes but I was successful. Right. It all worked out. <laughs> and it really helped, didn't yes. it? <laughs> yes. So, yeah. That uh well, Cheryl, you should know something is that it's been an hour. <laughs> okay. Yes. I figured we were probably getting close. <laughs> That's I was trying to slow down a little bit. <laughs> no, no. This is uh this has been fascinating and crazy. I can talk for 4 or 5 hours easily. Right. Easily. And, and, uh, and yeah, you will fall asleep. It's uh well, eventually. <laughs> just because of uh how life goes. But this has been fascinating. Thank you. Uh hey, Rangers, uh Cheryl Jones has a podcast uh Movies Made Me and it's at Movies Made Me Pod. Or at Movies Made Me on Instagram. And um, 
Yeah, we learned about scurvy. We learned about uh, we learned about uh, sailing and uh, and and peoples. Yeah. So thank you so much for doing the show. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been a joy. <laughs> and Rangers, you know the rules out there. Take care of each other. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat, <laughs> my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh, my God. We, why don't we just call that as the end of the show?